0: Scripture reading for, for this morning will be taken from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense good morning miss our youth wouldn't are out the empty section over here, Keith thought he could sit up there and fill it well, but if you weren't doing such a good job songwriting this morning, I'd take that a step further, but uh, good to see you. It's a little dreary out, but I hope you enjoyed a little bit warmer weather for a couple of days. I hope that you made it a good week this week. I hope you did your best with what you were handed. I hope you didn't dig yourself into any holes, I prayed the other day, God, help me to deal with the stuff that's going on and help me not to bring any more upon myself. I did. And, uh, you know, we have have some uh, control over that. But I hope that you have made it a good week. I appreciate Rodney's dealing with the Lord's Supper and addressing the fact that when you realize that there is one true God and that Christ is His Son and we have come to know who He is, That all other things are rubbish. Everything that doesn't revolve around loving Him and loving our fellow man is is rubbish. It's it's meant for the dogs. That's what that word means in Colossians. Just scrape it off the plate. just, Just feed it to the dogs. It's just so unimportant. And today, I want to again go back to Genesis with you as we come to the next set of uh, chapters in our reading and draw a picture for you to depict from genesis chapters 21 and 22 what a grand scheme god has in mind and is working out even as we sit here today that has to do with you and me and it has from the beginning and it will be until the end all about His glory through you and I, His creatures, Uh, the pinnacle of His creation we are. And He took such great pride in making us and even giving us a reflective image of Himself. He enjoyed that, don't you think, when He made man? Uh, Above all the animals, we reflect Him and therefore within us is the capacity to glorify God and reflect God's nature in ourselves we lose that through sin we were introduced to that right from the beginning in the garden where Eve took of that forbidden fruit and then gave it to her husband who also succumbed and they introduced disobedience and sin into the world and separated themselves from God but God, knowing that man through his free will would disobey him, he planned from before the creation a way that man could come back to him. That's why Keith chose all these songs that had to do with redemption today. That we could come back, but it would cost something. Just like a redeemable coupon, a redeemable ticket something would be given in exchange for us back to Him. And He goes to work on that right away. The fall of man to sin through Satan's temptation in chapter 3, and that that vague but definite prediction that a seed would come from Eve, from from the offspring of a woman, who would defeat Satan Genesis 3:15 is now going to be picked up again already in chapter 12 and he chooses this man Abraham Abram when he met him Abram when he called him and he said Abram I've got a great job for you I've got a great blessing for you and in fact through you in you in your seed that is that is your offspring All the families of the earth will be blessed someday, future tense. And so we have this great promise that God made to Abram that He would make him a great nation and that his descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and as numerous as the stars in the sky and the dust of the earth. Well, naturally, there would be some raised eyebrows to this by Abram and his wife Sarai because... He was 70 and she was 60 and even though they were living to greater ages back then the Bible says she was past the age of childbearing so they still bore children before that time more so she was barren they had tried to have children and could not and we know from chapter 17 I believe that it wasn't Abram that the physiological problem lied within it was Sarah. Sarah was barren. She could not have children. There was something wrong with her reproductive system. And God knowingly, knowing that psychologically this would have taken her some time and Abram some time to adjust to, knowing that it was a very sensitive issue, knowing that Abram being very rich and having very many servants in his own household, had probably already worked out his estate to, to pass it on through the chief steward, the head servant of his house. Knowing all of these things had been, had been the, the book had been closed upon the, the possibility of having children and all these things had been settled, God promised that they'd have a baby. Now, that'd be cruel if it weren't going to be true. Don't you think? If it weren't true, that'd be an awful cruel thing to do to somebody. And so Sarah laughed. And I don't think her laugh was the same laugh as after she had Isaac. Her laugh was probably like, "Ah, no way is this going to happen. God called her on it. Later, she laughed and said, imagine this, that Sarah in her old age would have a baby. And so, this birth announcement came, and what's more alarming than this is that they would wait 30 more years before it actually happened. Abraham now would be 100 years old when this son that was promised, the son of promise, would be born, and Sarah, as she would be known then, would be 90 years old. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Genesis 22 specifically, but let's look at the first nine verses of chapter 21 together and read it together, where we see that what would have been a fitting ending to Abram's contributions to God's plan. Isaac is born. This could be a great settling place. There's more to the story. And the Lord, chapter 21, verse 1, visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. This is 30 years after, 30 years plus. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was one hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who, who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned, and Sarah then saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, her maidservant, whom she had 20 years prior given to Abram as wife so that he could bear children through her. She saw her scoffing, or saw this son scoffing, this was Ishmael, Ishmael. is becoming jealous. Well, there's highs and lows here, but as far as Abram's concerned and Sarah, what a great settling point to move the focus on to Isaac now, who will carry this promised seed from Abraham through his own body, pass it on down to Jacob and then then to Judah, and on through David, and on into... Matthew chapter 1, where we read the birth of Jesus Christ, but it takes a dramatic turn in chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains Of which I shall tell you so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off and Abraham said to his young men that is those who went with him and Isaac stay here with the donkey And the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba a lot of people perhaps yourself also even find this story disturbing at least uncomfortable when you read it because it goes so against the grain of what we know about God from the rest of Scripture atheists have attacked it and even some Christians deny the literalness of it as being immoral after all how can we explain a loving God telling his devoted follower to kill his own child this story can make us uneasy unless we realize that God wanted to draw on this mountain a vivid depiction of an event which would involve his own son many years into the future when we look at this story as a type of jesus of the story of jesus starts to make more sense if you're not familiar with the word type or typology the study of types in the bible picture one of those old typewriters with the keys that when you hit the button the keys would go and strike the the teeth would strike the paper The type would be that type set on the the hard key, on the tooth. The antitype would be the image that it would leave that would be identical to that type set on the paper. And so you have the type and the antitype, which reflects it perfectly. Isaac is a type of the antitype Christ. Isaac's story here, being offered up to God, is a type of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the antitype, which would come many years into the future. And God here wanted to depict the gospel being portrayed on this mountain, which would happen many years into the future. Let's take a closer look at just how detailed God is willing to go as we talk about the foreshadowing of this sacrifice, almost, of the sacrifice of Christ, which did happen. First of all, both Isaac and Jesus were sons of promise through the same seed. That seed of woman that would defeat Satan was carried in Abraham, Abraham on down through Isaac. And into Jacob and his children, specifically Judah, and through that lineage, it's picked up again when the prophet Nathan calls to David and says, through you and your body, there shall be one on the throne of Israel whom God will call His Son, and He will call Him His Father. And when we come to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, what's the very first verse of the New Testament say? The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and it traces Jesus' lineage from Him back through David, on through Judah, Jacob, Isaac, back to Abraham to say this is the promised Son. This is the seed promise. They're sons of promise, both born of divine intervention. Think of it. Sarah was barren. The Lord had to open her womb by direct divine intervention. Miraculous birth. And as we know, Jesus as well being born of a virgin who had not known a man. But God planted the seed within her womb. And these only sons, only sons to Abraham and Sarah, that is. Abraham had Ishmael through Hagar, but it was Abraham and Sarah's only son, and they were the ones to whom He made the promise. So He was their only son, and Jesus God's only Son, and both were offered up. Offered up to God. By God's command, by God's decree. They went alone to the place where they would be offered. Abraham journeyed two days... And then tells his servants the following morning to wait here while the lad and I go yonder to worship. Jesus told his servants, Do you remember? Where I am going, you cannot come. I have to go alone. We'll die with you. We'll go to prison with you. Where are you going? I want to come. Peter, Thomas, all challenging him on this. You can't drink the cup that I'm going to drink. I must do this myself. Isaac, Abraham saying, wait here to the servants going up. Jesus saying, wait here while they went up Mount Moriah. To the land of Moriah, Abraham go, and I'll tell you which mountain that I want you to do this on. I'll specify when you get there. So he goes to this land, which is a small mountain range, near a city lying on the outskirts or on the side of this mountain called Salem, who had a priest-king named Melchizedek. And later, as Jerusalem sprawled, much as we have urban sprawl today, Jerusalem creeped and crawled as the city was built up onto and over Moriah. Still lies there today. And yes, you're with me. This would be the mount upon which God would offer His Son outside the walls of Jerusalem City some 2,000 years later. Think of this now. How far ahead was God forecasting? How far has it been from Christ to now? 2,000 years rounded off. This is taking place 2,000 years roughly, 2050 B.C. before it will happen. As much time as has passed from the birth of Christ till now, that's how far in advance God is drawing a picture of what He's going to do. You see, with God, a thousand years is as a day. And a day is a thousand years. Two thousand years is as a day to God. And He wants all men to see that this had been in His mind from the beginning. That matters. Jesus was not an afterthought. Things didn't get out of control when He said, I've got to do something. I'll send my son to fix it. Oh, they killed him. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to raise him from the dead. Uh, I've got to leave a, some kind of establishment in his place. Many would think that. This is important because we can look now. Even Israel, reading this, what Moses is recording, is looking back and saying, God's up to something. But beautifully, we have that hindsight. Church, I've said this so many times. We're living in a great age. We're living in the greatest of times where we should fully understand our place in God's plan for this world as we know it. And for us and how special we are to Him. So nearly 4,000 years ago, God portrayed this gospel that we are here to acknowledge today, and to be saved by today through Isaac. Tremendous. So off they went up the mountain carrying their own wood. Abram laid upon Isaac the burden of carrying his own wood, and Jesus going up Calvary's mount, carrying his own wood, questioning the plan. Isaac calling to his father, My father. Where's the lamb? I see the wood. You have the fire. You have the knife to slaughter the sacrifice. Where are we going to get the lamb? Jesus saying, My Father, if it's Your will, let this cup pass from Me. If we can do it another way, another time, I'm fearful of what's about to happen. Something's not right. I don't feel right. I'm troubled in my soul. Yet both of them submitted to God's plan. Abraham was a hundred when Isaac was born. So, however old Isaac was here, perhaps a young adolescent or a teenage boy, the chances that Abraham could just pin him down and bind him and then lift him up on the altar or slim, he probably reluctantly submitted to his father because he had learned to trust him and had great respect for him at this early age in his life. How much more Jesus Christ did he fear his father, love his father, and willingly offer himself up to drink that cup? (laughs) He submitted, both of them, though troubled. So they were bound and laid upon the wood that they themselves carried to the place of sacrifice. And yet, for Isaac, there was no lamb. But Abram said it right. God will provide. And here's where we get into a little bit of the understanding that Abraham must have had of God. He didn't know how God was going to do this, but he assumed some things. He assumed some things. His logic was that if this meant that God is actually going to have me kill Isaac, the Hebrew letter says, Abraham reasoned in his mind that he must be going to raise him from the dead because it would be contrary to God's promise Contradictory, even, that I would have nations of men come through this son whom I'm about about to slay. Therefore, God's going to do something great, and I believe him, that he's got this under control. However reluctant Abraham must have been. That knowledge of the character of God is powerful, church. When you come to a Wednesday night Bible study and you're studying God's mind from the book of Isaiah, and you come here and you're studying the book of Mark and you're getting from Barry into the mind of Jesus, and you're learning from Larry's class this morning how to study the Bible, and you're learning who God is, it's at times like this, when things don't seem to make sense, that we need to stand back and say, it doesn't look good. This doesn't make sense to me. I know what I would do, but it would contradict what God has said to do. And even what seems to be playing out is contradictory to what God has said life should be like, according to what I understand. And Abraham said, I'm going to leave it to God to figure this out. I'm going to go through with this. He must be going to raise him from the dead. We know that because when he left the servants at the base of Moriah, he said... Stay here, me and the lad are going to go up yonder and worship, and we will be back. Wow! He had a couple days on the road to think about it, didn't he? Don't need to wonder what he was thinking about while he was walking to Moriah. And so, as the angel of the Lord, who speaks to him as God in first person, now I know that you fear me. As the angel of the Lord stops him, don't touch him. He lifts his eyes up and he notices over here a ram having those horns being in his prime, tangled in thorns around his head, and says, I knew God would provide the sacrifice. And so he took Isaac off and unbound him and went and got that ram and laid him upon the altar and offered that ram up. And as Moses records this to the time of this writing, some 800 years later is when Israel is reading this, is when they're being given this by Moses. It's still called The Lord will provide. That hill is still called the Lord will provide. And it would be called the Lord will provide on through the New Testament, wouldn't it? Because the Lord provided an adequate sacrifice on that mountain. And that lamb that God provided, his head was tangled up in thorns. Isn't that detail? Enough for you to see what God's trying to show us here. In his prime, Isaiah said, he would be cut off from the land of the living. He was 33 years old. That's in your prime. A male, fit, perfect. And they placed a crown of thorns on him. And he went and offered himself up for us. How beautiful. God provided He escaped the third day. Isaac did. Two days of travel in the morning, they went up to the hill and he was laying there to be offered and he escaped death. It was on the third day that Christ escaped death. The difference being that Christ actually was offered first, but three days after that, He came back from the dead. They both escaped death on the third day and overcame its power. The power that Satan has over us. So Isaac was spared, but Christ died. And because of Abraham's faith, God blessed him. He swore by himself. There's nothing greater by which you can swear. He told us, you just need to stop swearing by things, period, in the New Testament, in the Sermon on the Mount, because there's really not anything you can do about it. You can't change anything when you say, well, I promise and I swear by something. It's really out of your control. But when the Lord says, I swear by myself, nobody's going to kill God. Nobody's going to overthrow His plan. And if you read the Old Testament, you can see that there's a lot of times when it seems like the plan's coming to a sudden stop. And He just keeps it going. He spares. He saves. He continues because He swore by Himself that He would bring about the seed of a woman who would defeat Satan, and he'd come through Abraham's lineage, and he's going to do it. And he did it. In Jesus Christ. And so because of Abraham's faith, he was blessed. And so, because of Jesus' faith, every nation of the earth will be filled with His children. Some great things happened that day on Mount Moriah. First of all, Abraham demonstrated great faith to everyone that day. The greatest faith. The faith that we often say, I couldn't do that with my own son. I've heard so many say that, men and women. I couldn't offer one of my children. God didn't want you to either. He emphatically said, this is what I think of human sacrifice, child sacrifice. No, don't do it. I Stopped it. Some say, well, it was cruel that he would offer. His he stopped it emphatically to make a point. You're about to go into Canaan, where they offer their children as sacrifices to the gods. I want you to remember that I had Abram take his son up on this mountain and offer him up as a sacrifice, and I stopped him and said, no, I will provide the sacrifice, not you. It would be a human sacrifice, but it would be God in the flesh who comes himself and says, I'll put on the body of a man, and I will volitionally, of my own accord, offer myself upon the cross for you. Don't you do it. Don't you get tangled up in Canaanite pagan practices. And so great faith was exemplified. Child sacrifice was eradicated among the Israelites, unless they should choose later to pick it back up. The gospel was depicted that day with one exception. When God said to Abram, Now I know that you fear God because you haven't withheld your son, your only son, your only son from me. What does that say to us then? When God did not withhold His son, His only son from us and actually allowed Him to go through with it? He stopped Isaac. He allowed Christ to carry it out. Does that tell you anything? Does that say anything at all to you about how much God cares for our souls? How much He wants us to come home to be with Him? He took care of our sin problem once for all men, the Hebrew letter says emphatically, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. No more animals. Certainly never a child sacrifice. God provided on that mountain that day for all of us if we would but have the faith as Abraham did to trust God. Abraham's faith, it was accounted to him as righteousness because he trusted in God before circumcision, before the law of Moses was given, because he trusted in the promise that God will fulfill what he has set out. To bring about that means that you would not be saved in this new testament time especially by your jewishness you cannot say look i'm a child of the circumcision abram was accounted as righteous before the circumcision was brought about in genesis 17. god said he's a righteous man from chapter 12 and he's only validating that in chapter 22 so you can't say it's something about your bloodline It's something about your your body. It's something about your lineage. Mm -mm. That doesn't make you righteous. Well, look at all the good things I do. Surely God will look how righteous I have been this day or this week or in my life and consider me worthy to be saved. Abram was considered righteous for salvation. Before the law of Moses came about, it wasn't through the law that God accounted it to him or imputed it to his account as being a righteous man. It was through his believing faith in God. That if God says it, I'll do it. And we understand that when you believe something, you fall into line with it. You obey that which you believe. And so... James takes up the argument and says, well, of course, by your works you prove your faith. Show me your faith without works. It's not genuine. I'll show you my faith by my works. They go together. But it's your faith that saves you. Anybody can do something good and something nice, but not everybody believes in God. Believes God's promise. That it is through Jesus Christ that the world will be saved. Now we, brethren... As Isaac was, Paul said, our children of promise. We are, just like Isaac, children of promise. We'll receive the blessing. Just as it was passed down from Abraham to Isaac, it has come now to us if we believe the promise that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to take away our sins. For if we believe, Paul went on to say to the Thessalonians, that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. And there we have the Gospel. In a nutshell, portrayed to us from this account with Isaac. I hope that you won't delay any further to become a Christian, to put on Christ. If we are Christ, then we're Abraham's seed and we're heirs according to the promise. But you must be in Christ, as Rodney read from Colossians. It is in Him and through Him that all things are brought back together again with God. Be a friend of God today. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Let's sing this song. I know my lives and ever prays for me. I know eternal